I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next interviewer with the new chairs of the Human Rights Watches Festival, uh, which ha is happening in, uh, well, it's happening in uh, a very few days, February 18th to the 22nd, 2021. It's the 18th annual uh, Human Rights Watch Film Festival. Jennifer Baitwell and Nick DePoncier are here to talk about that. We, we talk a little bit about their film uh, making as well, and, and and we get into some philosophy, and 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 we we talk about production and storytelling, and and a whole lot more. But I did want to just say that uh, this year, uh, you know, across Canada, the festival is free through Hot Docs, so you can get there. Uh, you know, just search Hot Docs online, and you will uh, find out more about the Human Rights uh, Watch Festival opening night. A la Calle is uh, a film. Uh, coming out of uh, Venezuela. I mean, these are these are films about uh, ordinary people doing extraordinary things and pushing back in in, in, in interesting ways and 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 recording those stories uh, for for others to hear. I am Samuel, uh, coming out of Kenya, uh, looking at uh, laws and LGBTQ issues and and gender disparity and so on. Wake up on Mars. Uh, Albanian Swedish film and, and something called resignation syndrome. Um, you're going to want to learn a little bit more about that. I mean, just even uh, spending a little bit of time on the website, uh, you'll you'll go deeper in look, uh, reading a little bit more about uh, about what some of these films are about. Maxima, an environmental film and and an important film, a, a story that you're going to want to hear more about, and also Love Child, uh, a film about relationships and about so much more. So uh, head to the website, uh, check it out, and uh, dig a little deeper and and what's really amazing and fascinating all at the same time is the films are free this year so so my two guests today on face to face what a pleasure to have them celebrated canadian filmmakers anthropocene in fact they were heading off to a q a uh i could have talked to them all afternoon without a doubt um mercury films is their company and and you know head to their site if you get a second especially if you're a canadian filmmaker or a filmmaker of any kind their subjects quote are skewed to art and philosophy uh, and they're they're all about extending boundaries and i i really think that is a beautiful thing um manufactured landscapes long time running act of god there's some uh really um 
some brilliant uh, stories that that, uh, that Jennifer and Nick have, have told over the last many years, and you're going to want to learn more about them. And so I think that's why it's so important that they're a part of um, the festival this year. They're acting as chairs, and I was just so thrilled to chat with them about uh, human rights issues. And, and, and again, why this kind of storytelling is so important. These folks who are telling these stories are putting their lives, in some, in some cases, on the line. We talked about the human condition and about framing and about text and visual languages and how, how film is so time-based. We talked about something called the ethics of engagement, and that's not only for the documentarian, but that's you know for us, the audience member, as well. Uh, we talked about how how um, you know some of us are more implicated than others. Uh, uh, a phrase that Jennifer came out with, which I think is wonderful, and and it may be rooted in the philosophy of Immanuel Kant. I hope uh, if, if you're listening, Jennifer, uh, you're you're smiling. We we talked about the power of journalism and how craft and art come together, and about traditional senses of community, and and about how you know that th- these films, as Nick says, that are getting made. There, I mean, these this is like these are like minor miracles and uh, multiplicity of forms and and how 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 this is about uh changing the way people see the world and about how you know craft uh, and art are coming uh, together and 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 this these these conduits um um for truth and how inequities and the gap is is being revealed in a really unique interesting and compelling way so so much more going on there than meets the eye i can't wait for part two with them i can't wait for the festival uh looking forward to it and uh, i've certainly heard of some of these films looking forward to seeing them so once again opening night and all of these are going to be followed by uh, q and a's um and i know i've hosted some of these things down um, in the past and uh and they're you know community events where you've got people online and it's the closest we can get to that that theatrical experience right now with others uh, chatting about things that matter but alakaye i am samuel wake up on mars love child and uh, maxima check it out on the hot docs website don't miss out and if you are liking what we're doing here on face to face please you know give us a thumbs up on youtube's subscribe there we need more youtube subscribers also uh leave us a review on itunes i could really appreciate that and, and socially mediate the heck out of us if if you can uh tweet and um and retweet and like and post and hopefully you're going to be hearing more about uh what what we're doing here uh on face to face but stay tuned coming right up not only the Human Rights Watch Film Festival, um, uh, February 18th to 22nd, but also a fascinating, engaging, fun interview with Jennifer Bechwell and Nick DePonsier coming right up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two very special guests here with us today. We have Jennifer Bechwell and Nick DePonsier here. Uh, well, we're here to talk about a lot of things, um, but I think we're here really to talk about the Human Rights Watch uh, Film Festival coming up February 18th to the 22nd in Toronto at Hot Docs. We'll talk more about how you can find tickets and and all of that. But I just wanted to say uh, I'm excited to have you guys on Face to Face today here with me uh, to talk storytelling and narrative and film and and, and the festival. So thank you for taking the time. Very happy, Very happy to, be to be here. Thanks, David. Hey, before we get into the festival, uh, Nick, maybe you can tell us about uh, this Q&A that you're going to be rushing off to shortly, uh, uh, about uh, one of your many films that you guys have worked on, Anthropocene. Um, I'm, I'm sure a few others are going to come up, um, but you guys are pretty celebrated filmmakers. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what's coming up for you guys later on this afternoon. Yeah, we're really honored um, uh, that uh, Anthropocene, the human epoch, is uh, being screened in Chile for the first time, and it's um, organized through the Canadian embassy there. 
It's a reprisal of a screening that was supposed to happen in person and was supposed to have some of the uh, art exhibit um, perhaps go with it uh, that was mm. scheduled for more than a year ago and was um, postponed because of the uh, civil unrest in Chile first and then because of the pandemic. And so uh, just like so many things in the COVID paradigm, we have found a, a virtual way to um, uh, finally have this film uh, reach uh, an audience in Chile. And so to try and draw attention to it, we're, um, we're doing a panel discussion afterwards. Well, that's amazing and congratulations. And I mean, isn't that sort of uh, one of the dreams of a filmmaker to see the life of a film continue on and and to go a little deeper and to go a little wider and deeper, I suppose, could be could be a log line for a filmmaker, I suppose. Um, especially especially in, in, you know, not just in the global north. I mean, we've had mm. screenings in Europe and North America, and that's why we really wanted to go to Chile, because, you know, we 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 when when we say in the in the anthropocene the human epoch that some of us are more implicated than others in the in the um environmental impacts that humans have as a species you know that that really is people in 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 north america and europe primarily i would say and uh, and it's often places in the global south that feel the impact of that uh way more so um, anyway, it's it's great that it's being shown there, and we're we're looking forward to having a lively uh, discussion. Yeah, I, I I bet, and I I wish you well with that. I love your phrase about how so, some of us are more implicated than others. You know, I've been studying philosophy all my life, and before I step into that, I, I just want, can, I hope you guys don't mind if I read a quote off your film, uh, off your website. So, uh, you both founders of Mercury Films, they've been making uh, folks uh, to my listeners award winning critically acclaimed documentaries and films for two decades. Their subjects are eclectic, skewed to art and philosophy, and try to extend uh, formal boundaries without being inaccessible. I so love that about what you're doing with your storytelling. Um, Anthropocene, clearly a film about the environment, but also very much a human rights issue. Um, Either of you, uh, can you step in and unpack this uh, extending of the boundaries, uh, connect it to maybe uh, the, 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 I mean, this is a big, this is a conversation about the Human Rights Watch Festival coming up and we'll talk about the five films, I'm sure. But I'd love uh, to know a little bit more about how you've done that. Maybe more importantly, why did you, did you decide to, you know, philosophy and art and extending boundaries? Why was that, why did that matter? Come on, Nick. You want me to do it? <laughs> Jen, the, the, the word philosophy is in there. I'm going to pass you the baton on this. Oh, one. there we go. Yeah. Well, so my background is in um, uh, philosophy and and uh, religious studies. I did a master's at McGill University. Uh, and and I was always, you know, fascinated by questions of the human condition, you know, epistemology and metaphysics and and ethics and uh and i i was going to become an academic i mean i was on that hmm. road and and i i sort of got discouraged and by and impatient with the limitations of the form of inquiry because interesting you know yeah academic life is is very specific and yep. you know i knew that my you know who at least three people would read my thesis me <laughs> my right. advisor and and the outside reader who had to of course it. yes and so i kind of thought 
is there a form that is more lateral and accessible to people that can still explore those questions? And I turned to film as somebody who had no training. I didn't go to film school. Uh, I learned hmm. by, you know, making my first documentary. And I was immediately kind of captivated by the possibilities of putting, for a better word, text, you know, um, information and visual language together in time, you know, film as, is a time-based medium and the possibilities of that. And, and uh, that's how I started. And I, I would say when we say extending formal boundaries without being in, inaccessible, you know, a lot of traditional documentary or journalistic documentary film, and there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that genre of documentary. And in fact, many of the films in the festival um, are, are take that uh, sure. as their form. But for me, the, the, the subordinate nature of visual language uh, that is often sometimes uh, in, in more, I would say more traditional news media, not journalism, uh, was I, I, I was frustrated by that. And I thought, is there a way of, of bringing these two things together so that you know, film is a visual medium so that there, the, the visual language is as important as what you are learning in terms of information and also um, uh, informs what you are learning. And then the other part of that is that the the ethics of engagement are mm. hugely, hugely important because it is a it's already an aggressive act to put a camera in somebody's face. And then sure. when you do it, when you go all over the world as we do, if you do not do so with humility and openness, you'll That's never good. be able to, to, to convey anything true about that place. And so that came to me from um, those studies. And Nick, also an autodidact who learned himself, you know, learned how to operate a camera, learned how to do, you know, all, all of the, uh, uh, the, the, the budget work, the producing work, and uh, you know, beyond camera now, um, uh, in terms of the the other augmented reality and 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 um, three sixty virtual reality that we, the things that we did for Anthropocene, um, we just gelled together in this in this endeavor, and then became partners in in work and life, and have been making films together for over twenty years. Nick, so Jennifer, thank you. So many questions. And by the way, I really want to know what the metaphysical implications of getting struck by lightning are. I really do need to hear the deeper work on that. Like, that's just wonderful stuff. Um, um, uh, Terence Malick, Heideggerian scholar, right? Also, I think, from what I understand, deeply frustrated with the academic community and not being able to, you know, those three people you know, are they going to go and change the world? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I love, love what you've had to say. So many things in so many places we could go with that, but Nick, um, uh, you know, the human rights watch film festival, very specific, uh, form, uh, of, I suppose, storytelling. Do you think that documentary has that ability to change the world in a way that a narrative say film doesn't, 
So I watched a film recently with, with uh, you know, Palmer, with Justin Timberlake and uh, directed by Fisher Stevens about gender issues and very understated, very entertaining, very, I guess you could say Hollywood. I hope Fisher's okay with that. But, but I just wonder, you know, does that have a different impact because it's working on some other layer uh, over and above, uh, say, a doc that's very informative, et cetera, et cetera. And that I think sort of could touch on what Jennifer was just saying as well, it seems to me. I would hope that there's room in the medium for such a multiplicity of approaches and forums. And I think if you track um, the success of, of fiction film over the last while, a lot of more issues oriented films have really risen to the fore. Mm. Um, uh, films that are sometimes based on true stories or at least set in real life contemporary situations. Um, and even strong allegorical films, I think, can can absolutely um, educate and inspire and galvanize mm. um, uh, people in their thoughts and their apprehension of of their their surroundings. Uh, and then I think if you look at the wide range of practice in documentary, it's it's liberating. And one of the reasons, certainly, why I've gravitated to it is that. Um, it has this foot rooted in the power of journalism and the power of the real, and that you're you're invariably interpreting the real. Um, but you can also um, apply a lot of um, craft and art and filmmaking language to that real as appropriate, um, and hopefully not gratuitously, um, but borrow from a lot of the of the power of. The cinematic medium, which I think is the the medium of our age, it's it's the distillation of all these other media in this power pack uh, moment, and the and the product of hours and hours of of filming and editing and you know color correcting and music, and so it's this really powerful moment, this distillation, and and it's a time capsule, mm. um, so that we can uh, uh, be sitting in. Um, a pandemic lockdown in our, you know, TV room in Canada, and we can really have a visceral sense of uh, an issue that might be happening in Venezuela, that might right. be happening in um, uh, in Africa, that that might be somebody else's daily reality, far far removed from from ours or a large geopolitical issue. And we might really come to understand that in, in a way that other media might not, in a way that um, tweets and news uh, stories and the churn of, of daily journalism might not. Uh, and I think there's a real um, power in, in that and, and especially in, in this current situation. Can, can, do, hmm, uh, can movies change the world? I mean, it's a, yeah. a kind of on one level, it's a very simple question, but I think it's pretty, pretty layered as well. And I'd love to hear both of you on that because you guys have made some pretty important films over the years and and now representing what I would call a pretty important and and, and relevant film festival. Uh, I don't know if we had a better time right now, you know, for for the Human Rights Watch Festival to 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 be front and center with with what's going on around the world. Well, and also, I mean, the, the wonderful thing about, you know, we, we, we all love to be in a theater packed together and then talking right. to people in the theater and arguing about films and stuff. Right. But, you know, this digital um, festival this year, you know, everybody across Canada can watch it and it's free. 
Right. So the, the, the traditional sort of sense of community that we've had, like our, the idea of being in a theater with other people, has expanded, I think, to something that is even greater as community, as Nick says, you know, we can be sitting, I'm, I'm looking at a snowstorm right now, right. And, you know, we're, we're in the Peruvian highlands with Maxima watching her fight uh, mining corporations to, to, to keep her land. And so, and, and, and empathizing with her. Mm. So I absolutely believe um, that, that film has that capacity to change the world. But I also think that, and I don't mean to go too heavy on the philosophy here, but like my, I was sort of a Kantian in, in, in school in the sense that I, I loved the idealism of, of sure. Kant, the idea that there was a possibility of uh, a categorical imperative or right. a universal, um, even though I think that that's a very difficult thing to, to define um, given contextual realities, but it film has to be the thing in itself. It has to be, it has to have its own intrinsic meaning um, otherwise, it becomes some kind of a form of propaganda in a way. Like I feel that it has to uh, land and have meaning in itself. And each one of these films in the festival, though they are dealing with really serious um, human rights abuses, environmental abuses, um, mm -hmm. discrimination, etc., cetera, uh, the things that Human Rights Watch as an organization is you know, so admirably relentless about pursuing, as they say, tyranny has a witness. Um, so all of these films manage to do that. They are their own forms. They're, they're their own works of art in some way. And yet they convey uh, such profound knowledge about these issues that we all need to know about. And they do it in an incredibly moving way, which comes from that they that they stand up as things in themselves as works of art. So I feel like film can change the world, but film on its own um, uh, has has meaning in and of itself. Yeah, it's good. Well, I love too how you talked about turning the sort of the traditional communities kind of on on their heads in a in a way. I just uh, Sundance is starting in a few days, and I'm interviewing a few filmmakers, and I was just online with with uh, Ali El Arab, who's uh, directed Captains of uh, Zatari, which is, you know, I mean, this is beautiful film. And I, I said to him, and I got this beautiful smile out of him, isn't it an amazing world, Ali, where we can, you know, connect together. Here you are sitting in Egypt. I'm here just outside of Toronto, and we're having a conversation about a story that I probably would never have heard of 10 years ago. You know, I mean, isn't that a, a isn't that a good, a beautiful and a true uh, uh, thing uh, or moment? And, and, and something to be celebrated. Um, Nick, what drew you to filmmaking? What was it? What, uh, so Jennifer's clearly maybe the academic in, in, in this re uh, relationship. Is, is that fair to say? And, and a filmmaker too. I hope that's not a disparaging uh, comment, Jennifer, by the way. Um, uh, what, what, what do you think, Nick? Where, where you're more the producer, the DOP, what's, uh, or, 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 or uh, are you one of these empathy making machines as well? I, I am uh, the producer and the director of photography, and um, uh, I love to be involved in the meta-level decision-making of, of the, the creative process. <laughs> nice, meta-level, I, I love it. But but yeah, I, I also um, am maybe cursed with the more uh, 
pr uh, practical streak as well. Um, and I do, uh, I do enjoy it as long as I'm not stuck in admin drudgery for right. too long. But as, but as a means to an end to making films, to telling these stories, um, I have always um, loved creative problem solving and practical problem solving. And boy, film is uh, a mile a minute of mm. all kinds of problems that, that need to be uh, figured out. Um, uh, logistical, creative, uh, technical, um, administrative. Uh, so yes, that's that's I think more what I bring to the equation on on many of these fronts. So you're um, not you're not just talking about the Excel spreadsheet or the sharpened pencil. You're talking about in the moment, something's gone sideways. We 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 can't get out of this portion of the city. We got to get a shot before the sun goes. Like that kind of critical decision-making that makes a difference clearly every every film getting made is a minor miracle and then <laughs> right. if if nice. if you look at at something like the slate of five films that we have here at the human rights watch film festival and the conditions under which a lot right. of them were made of course which often get woven into the story um you know you you just you you realize how hard you have to work and what level of dedication you have to have and i think it's incumbent on on the filmmaker always to, to go to the max, but especially in a situation where you are being trusted with somebody's extremely sensitive story. Um, if it's a story of discrimination, uh, you have um, subjects that are potentially very vulnerable um, and you, you are, have an enormous responsibility to tell that story to the best of your ability and also not to expose those subjects to any further harm. And I think that um, the success of these five films in the Human Rights Watch Film Festival are a real testament to super high level filmmaking um, and, and dedication to that outcome. Just like Human Rights Watch itself mm. is known and revered around the world as a rock solid um, uh, um, source of absolutely credible information uh, their research is without parallel among so many NGOs. They are right on the ground in so many very difficult conflict zones, um, uh, places that are really hard to work, uh, but where um, their their research is really needed, and their meticulous, you know, nonpartisan documentation uh, is uh, just a, a a bedrock for governments trying to make policies. Uh, for other organizations providing aid, for news and journalism to really be able to trust uh, a, a, a credible source. So I think there's a real wonderful virtuous circle that um, the mm. Human Rights Watch chooses a film festival and different Human Rights Watch offices around the world have this film festival. It kind of travels in varying forms. Sometimes there's overlap in the films every year, but We've been honored enough to, to have some of our films like Manufactured Landscapes um, chosen to be part of the Human Rights Watch Film Festival circuit. Um, and it's extremely gratifying um, to, be, to be part of that. And, and I think, um, yeah, in, just in the way that these documentaries are witnessing and, and are testaments to a really unique, um, often a uh, very volatile situation somewhere in the world. It's, it's a really nice echo of the incredible work that Human Rights uh, Watch itself does.
Okay, I just have to jump in there with two things before because I want to bring up something about well, the Jennifer, system. only two things? I'd be I'd okay. be surprised. <laughs> okay, two things, but no, first of all, you know, Nick's film Black Code played at every at, at tons of Human Rights Watch film festivals and was very much an example of that protecting people who you mm. were also uh, trying to tell a story about and I will say that we we have co-directed a number of films together too and as a cinematographer Nick is responsible for the the visceral interpretation of, of course, my yeah. in some cases eggheaded um, <laughs> sort of ideas and, and and it's not always it's not always going that way um it, mm. it, 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 we we fight a lot in a good way and I think that we're both absolutely committed um uh and 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 both both there creatively but the the thing i was going to say about um what nick brought up with this re these researchers like all of the films in this festival are connected to work that human rights watch is doing all right. the time right so they're doing work in venezuela they're doing work with lgbt communities they're doing work um against multinational corporations that are um taking advantage of and trampling the rights of indigenous people. They are doing work with refugees. I mean, I, the whole thing of resignation syndrome was mm. such a, a, a revelation that, that you're, you could be so traumatized um, right. in this experience that you would literally, you know, almost go into a kind of a coma. And I, I, I feel that, that when they vet these films, um, both for the relevance to Human Rights Watch, Human Rights Watch's work, but also in terms of their their accuracy, their truth, um, uh, they 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 are uh, they're stringent in that way, and we're really glad about that. So that, that that we get a sort of a slate of films that have already been in some way pre-screened um, when we are programming, and then we watch them all and have these incredible conversations about what brings something out what and 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 the power of that film on its own as the thing in itself but also how it relates to the greater uh work that human rights watch is doing and how it is a story that people need to you know be, to be exposed to, to and sure. inspired by yeah so um, it's it, it, it as Nick says, it's a virtuous circle, and we're we're very very honored to be part of it um, now. You know, in this role, you t Jennifer, you talked about the ethics of engagement, which is a, a wonderful phrase, and it seems to me that isn't that the work of an organization like you know, Human Rights Watch to to make us aware here in the global north of what is happening in the majority world of 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 the issues that you know that uh, things that we take for granted on so many levels. It seems to me. Um, could could you talk a little bit about that? I have a friend who's an author, and he he every now and then he writes a book that he calls he refers to as like one of his medicine books that very few people buy um, because they're things that don't re people don't really want to hear about, you know. <laughs> and um, he's a theologian actually, so it's interesting your comment earlier about studying philosophy and theology. And he's you know so. Uh, is that what documentary films like? Are the are these like medicine films? Are these the films that you know people need to sit down and watch? You know that we should make our kids watch. That we should be watching more of. I mean, how do you get people into these theaters in the first place? Because I think you guys are so right, and it's so important the work that's being done. And, and Nick, I'm so glad you mentioned the. 
the challenges these five filmmakers would have made. And by the way, is it is it Alakal, uh, I Am Samuel, Wake Up on Mars, Love Child, and Maxima, I believe, are the five films that are being yes. featured. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, there's about 14 questions, I think, embedded there, by the way. So you can pick any one of those ones uh, uh, that, that you'd like to riff on. But yeah, ethics of engagement, how do you get people excited about this stuff? How do you, how do you, get, how do you get people engaged? I guess we're talking about public engagement here, aren't we? Well, there's, I mean, it, in a way it works um, on a number of levels, the ethics of engagement. And as I said, each one of these films is an example uh, to me of a uh, of an ethics of engagement that works between filmmakers and subjects. Because the if there is not, um, you know, as I said before, there's an arrogance uh, about mm. taking a camera and assuming that you can just sort of right. tell a story about other people. And unless you have a commitment to um, being a conduit in some way for the truth of that situation, which which requires not just humility, but but really not being in control. And a lot of people want to be in control, right? Um, and 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 relinquishing control in in these situations, I think, is is a really important thing. And I think and, and, and Jennifer, don't sorry to interrupt, but don't you have yeah. to listen really well? I yes, mean, isn't yeah. Like, it, 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 that's what I mean about relinquishing control. Every one mm. of our films at the, in, in the credits says, this film was made without a traditional script. And I do it, we do it specifically because, mm. you know, we, we don't uh, outline everything we want and then just go try to find it. We do a ton of research, we get into a context, and then we, in that context, forget everything we've learned and just try to be there and convey the truth of that place. So good really tell that with all of these films that 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 different versions of that were happening number one so i would say that in the ethics of engagement between filmmaker and subject requires really careful um uh approach um and 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 ongoing relationships secondly the ethics of engagement for audiences these are not medicine films these are films that are deeply inspiring and i think if covid and the pandemic and the past year and American politics this past year, especially, has taught us anything. It is that we are living in a world where inequalities are, are becoming more and more revealed. Um, and, and people are, I think, aware of their own place in these, in these global inequalities and also their the, the capacity that they have to do something to change them, the incredible generosity that we have seen with people helping other people um, in, mm. in, in, in this pandemic. And I think that the that these films are inspiring because they give us a, a true empathetic understanding of what other people are going through, but it also allows us to reflect on our own situations and what makes us the same. Um, mm. going back to Kant, you know, the, yeah. the universal, that, that there are elements that, that unite us. And, well, sim and similarity through difference, right? Which is, yeah. is something we just seem to, I, well, we don't even take it for granted because I'm not even sure we're really talking about it, you know? No. Well, look look at what was happening in the States. That was difference for difference. And I, mm. I, I really think that when we reach these points of connection, th those are little miracles. And, and, and that is why these films are not medicine. These films are, um, you know, they're, 
they're uplifting and galvanizing and and uh mm, and, so and educational at the same time you know yeah it's so good and i love the fact that the festival this year is free it's just i trust that it, it's going okay. to make it so much more accessible and and i often will say to documentarians you know i hope everyone gets to see this film and i i feel the same way uh i'm looking looking forward to seeing some of these nick um i i love that you as the dop has has to sort of rein um jennifer in from time to time um, uh, I find that really interesting. You're, you're, you're very much the, the, the visual storyteller as well, but your producer hat on as you're, you know, your pencils you're on your ear, uh, and it's probably very sharp. Um, any, any thoughts for people who are going, I mean, I've, I've interviewed folks, you know, who have made films on, on S9s and, 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 and iPhones, anything encouraging, uh, affirming, uh, from a producer's perspective that you can say to Canadians or filmmakers around the world that, you know what, pick up the phone. I mean, you want to talk about ethics of engagement. It's time for you to start telling uh, a story or the story or maybe your story. I think you raise a, a really good point. And um, in the trajectory of my career, the dynamics uh, of who gets to make a film uh, have been hugely transformed uh, mm. and it's a technological revolution and it's, it's much more democratized because of what you're saying. The, the means of production are now available to a much broader swath of people in lots of places around the world um, just with smaller, cheaper cameras. And like you say, your phone can be can be a tool uh, for making a, a, a powerful film or for capturing a scene you wouldn't otherwise be able to capture. And that has an incredible influence on the kind of films that get made. Unfortunately, the flip side of that, as we've seen in the great sort of promise of the global commons of the internet and that, right. that, that best possible outcome, right. the reality doesn't always deliver on that, mm. on that utopia. And we see an enormous concentration of power on the internet where the, the, you know, the big fang companies actually or have a gravitational mass and, and actually gather up so much of the power of what does get seen through the power of search and everything. I think it, it's a really nice moment to highlight the importance of the film festival. There are so many films out there. It's such a noisy marketplace. Like you say, you could on any night, you know, on, on YouTube with all of our channels, there's so many choices to make. I think we're all grateful for um, acts of trusted curation. And that's what a mm, film festival is. It's, it's, it's an organization of people whose job is to try and look at all of the possible films and put some together with some coherence, some context and, and some background um, in a way of, uh, you know, to help people make those decisions. And I think, I mean, we're honored to have been part of the team uh, to do that this year. It's not obviously what we normally do, but we've been big supporters of Human Rights Watch, uh, the organization for a long time, and have had, we've made their 10th anniversary film and things like that. Um, so, so been engaged and know, know about their work. Um, and obviously, I mean, Jennifer's involved with the, the Toronto International Film Festival. I'm involved being on the board of the Hot Docs Film Festival. We, we were really lucky in this country to have some wonderful festivals. And then also, you know, in our role here with Human Rights Watch, being able to take some of the lessons learned in the pandemic 
of how to try and quickly shift everything that's good about a film festival uh, to a virtual mm. world. Um, so the Human Rights Watch Film Festival is actually partnered with Hot Docs uh, in this case, uh, and we're using their streaming platform. So as Jennifer said, it's great that it, you don't have to come to the Bloor Cinema or one of the cinemas on a specific night now to see the film or you know race for tickets necessarily, um, because uh, they're open, they're free, and tickets are open all to anyone across Canada. It's geo-blocked to Canada to be able to see these films. And you also uh, have uh, some leeway in terms of when you're going to see them. So we've, we've tried to focus some attention on the opening night on February 18th for A La Calle, and there will be a moderated discussion uh, after the film that night to, to try and, you know, get some of that wonderful buzz that a film festival can have. Um, but then after that point, uh, that film and all the others, if you if you sign up and, and get your ticket for free, you'll be able to watch it at your leisure over mm. a window of time. That's so great. so you shouldn't there should be fewer impediments to right. really watching the films uh, from this lineup that, that you want to see. And I think that's a big success under the under the circumstances and of course something's lost that we can't gather in person but so much is gained too from the virtual platform it's so good and i know listen i uh without a doubt could spend most of the rest of the afternoon and went to early evening chatting with you both and i know that you probably would love to do the same but um <laughs> you <laughs> you've got other things on on your plate and and that's exciting too and and um i've had such a great time chatting with you today i hope we get to do uh, a part two down the road and maybe even a face-to-face -face. i've been working at tiff for quite a few years now as well and and um and i just so love what you guys do i mean you know as roger was it roger ebert empathy making machines i mean i i, I truly believe you know tom what thomas king says all we got are stories that's all we got and we got to keep telling them and we got to keep telling them in beautiful ways so i hope uh, you guys both continue to to push those boundaries uh and i'll hold i'm gonna hold you to account uh and hey jennifer i gotta say i don't think this this will be my 548th published interview and i don't think i've ever spoken about the categorical imperative before so that's that's a thumbs up from my perspective uh it was great talking and we're 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 really excited about yeah this. so feb feb 18th to 22nd um hrw.org backslash canada i believe and then of course we can also get to it through the hot docs web website um hot doc cinema cinema uh, ca uh search human rights watch film festival thanks to you both um nick de Pensier and jennifer Batewell here with us today uh celebrated filmmakers in their own right but today talking about other things that matter as well thanks so much for joining me today on face to face thanks for having us thanks david great to talk take care ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.